Hello, and welcome to the Social Recruiting Show. Audience today, my usual co-host, uh, Katrina Collier, is actually getting drunk right now, so she's, she can't <laughs> join us. She's at a holiday party, which I'm sure she's having a great time, and we will miss her. Uh, but thank you, Katrina Kidman, who is stepping in again as my usual co-host. And she's from Three Ears Media, and we should definitely... Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Three Ears real quick and tell them what you're up yeah. to? Yeah, so Three Ears Media is firm. Uh, ultimately, I want to help recruiters and sourcers become better writers. And uh, we do that in three ways. Assessment, kind of telling you where you're at. Training, we sell it right off our website for small groups. Uh, and then custom content. Open and save the day whenever you need it. And that's that's kind of three ears in a nutshell. Perfect. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and I can me. definitely say you're one of the best writers in the field, if not the best. I'm definitely impressed. Yeah, well, he, yeah. <laughs> he would say he is, but that's another story. Um, so actually, our, our guest that was going to make it today couldn't make it at the last minute. Uh, and Ronnie Ratcher was very, very kind to step in super last minute. We're talking like last night. I'm texting him and he was very kind to jump in. Uh, and I met Ronnie at in New York City at HireConf recently. And we were chatting and I was super impressed because you're one of the only people that has like as many or more side gigs as I have. You were telling me all these things you were doing and and I was I just was wondering how you ever find time to sleep. So welcome Ronnie and can you give us a little bit of you know some of the stuff you are doing. There's so many I, I don't know where you want to start. Sure uh, just I'll go holistically. So uh, I'm Ronnie Bratcher. I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia here in the US. Um, I am a, a consultant in the sourcing capacity per se. Uh, I also do recruiting but Sourcing is my passion. Um, been doing this for about 19 years, um, and uh, I've worked for Fortune 500 companies, and most recently, just more startup kind of firms, uh, and doing strategy work and uh, building out sourcing models and things of that nature. Um, currently, I'm with um, an advisor with Paired Sourcing uh, up in Seattle. Uh, if you know Paired, um, so I'm helping them get them out with. Uh, they're, they're really busy, so they need a lot of uh, what they call auditing. So I'm kind of auditing all their sourcing work, which is kind of odd to do, but it's kind of neat. Um, I am uh, I just served uh, nine years as the chairman of Technology Association of Georgia Recruiting Society here. Uh, so I'm stepping down from that. I also uh, co-lead uh, the SourceCon Atlanta meetup. And uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and I also uh, am a member of ATAP. If you know what ATAP is, uh, I just recently worked on the uh, sourcing metrics committee, and we just released our white paper coming out in January. So, um, and that's basically me. <laughs> so, so, do you get any sleep or no? <laughs> oh, I do. I do. I, I cut it off around <laughs> seven every day. It's good. Awesome. So, where should we start? So, Ronnie, are you a big Pearl Jam uh, fan? Slightly, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, I, um, I've yeah. seen them 27 times. <laughs> Whoa. Um, awesome. I do, so when they do, they, they recently toured the, toured the U.S. They did a five-stadium tour, baseball stadiums. Um, I ended up going to Seattle to see them twice and ended up in Boston two weeks later to see them again. Um, so, yes, I uh, yes, they will be playing at my funeral. Not them specifically, but lots nah. of music. <laughs> so. What's your most memorable show you've ever uh, been to? We'll do the person. Yeah, yeah. We get Charlotte, North Carolina, 1995 is my one of my favorite shows. Reason behind is that you were anti-Ticketmaster. If you remember Ticketmaster, um, they they boycotted Ticketmaster. Um, decided to do to do their own thing. Uh, I saw them at a high school stadium. Tickets were five bucks. Beer was a dollar, and a T-shirt was a 
three bucks. And Gloria Steinem was there. And it was raining and muddy and it was so punk rock. It was so freaking awesome. Yeah, it sounds so. What's your favorite song? We should all say ours. Um, I want to I hear. It's not a favorite song, but I would tell you that my, um, oh my gosh, probably In My Tree would be the one that's, that'll put me on the edge emotionally. Yeah. What about you, Christine? What's awesome. your favorite one? I love it. <sighs> it's hard to pick for me, too, because I had this like period where all I listened to was Pearl Jam when I was a teenager. I don't, I honestly yeah. can't say one. Like, they're like two records that I love. Well, obviously, Ken. <laughs> right around Ken is one of those albums where every yeah. single song was a hit, which I think is almost impossible and so, so rare. Every song is classic. I really like Release Me. That's one of those classic like, ballads, yeah. sort of. Really yeah. I, I went yeah. to the Pearl Jam Museum in Seattle. Oh. And I don't know if you sit, remember the cover of Tin, you know? Yeah. You know, remember the cover? They had the cover on the wall, and everybody got to take their picture up there. It was really cool. So wow, there's a museum for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had a Mopop, a temporary museum. I think it's up till March that I have it there. So it's pretty cool. We play with a tribute version that is so, so good. And they actually look exactly like them. I, I, it's hard to say though, whether you would love it or hate it because you're such a fan, but I love them. So no, no, I, you know, I would go, I would go definitely. <laughs> yeah. They're really good. Very cool. I had no idea about that. So, right. I love, I love when we can have like a, a real yeah. life chat before we jump into the work stuff. Ronnie, you mentioned that you were doing auditing for sourcing. I'm curious what so, that means. Um, so Parrot does pretty much like high volume, right? So they'll they'll create like a huge batch for a client, right? And they don't really want to send, they don't have time to review that batch because they're using different tools for scrapers and things of that nature. Um, so what they'll do is they're, what they're banking on is on the backside of that for me to look at that batch and rank that batch and they'll take that, the high end of the batch, like one, twos, and threes, is like are the ones they send over, and that's what they deliver to the client. So the client's actually getting the right stuff and not just keyword mumbo jumbo stuff. So, so I get paid, you know, basically per audit. So you know, the more they send, the more money I make. <laughs> so, so, like so if they send if they send me a batch of five hundred, they'll probably send over one hundred and fifty to one hundred sixty people that are very well matched to what they're looking at. I like how on the animal show you mentioned how you use natural language more than you know keywords and Boolean, and that's more because you just don't need those, or if you find it works better, how come? Because that's how people talk on the web, so why not you know, simulate that? That's the big thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, we can jump right into it, and I give you all these opinionated things that I have, and hopefully nobody that works for Google is on. So, <laughs> so if you have been watching the news at all here in the U.S., you've probably noticed that the Google CEO was uh, uh, testifying before mm -hmm. Congress and Senate. Yeah. And um, as you know, um, Google is probably like if I ask you to go search something, you'd say what? Google it. What's the verb? Google it. Google it. It's a verb. It is an actual freaking verb now. Believe that or not, which just drives me crazy. <laughs> you know, that's fine. I, I, I grew up in sourcing before Google. <laughs> so, um, so the way I grew up in sourcing was that you had to uh, manipulate uh, Google or AltaVista to make it work for you, right? You had to do all these commands and syntax and kind of manip manipulate that. You still have to now because basically since 
quote unquote AI is coming into the world. So when you do type into Google, it starts telling you what you think they think you should see, right? Mm -hmm. So if you type recruiters are easily says dumb, right? Or if you put in Ronnie B, it's going to probably say Brasher because they got my IP address tracked, right? Yeah. So they are basically telling you what they want you to see. So if you even, so if you go outside of sourcing, you know, you're looking for uh, a pressure washer, right? And you type it in, they're going to start giving you all these ads that are SEO'd um, and tell you what they want you to see, what the companies have paid for and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I have no issues using Google. I use Google every day. But what I try to get people to do is to get off Google because basically um, you can find more. I guess you could say Google is not covering the entire web. No, yeah. no, no tool, no search engine can cover the web. It is so huge. Like it's bigger than we ever will ever think it will be. I don't think even in my daughter's 10,000 grandchildren later ever it's going to cover it because it grows every day. Um, and right. so, you know, I think we were talking earlier, you know, your, your three top search engines in the world are what, Google, Bing, and Yahoo, yeah. you know, one, two, and three, right? So with Google, um, everybody uses it. They've taken advantage of it and are kind of controlling the world, basically. So if you look back at 2015, um, that's the last time they, these three search engines basically said, hey, we're... Going to show, we're going to tell you how much we're, we're indexing at the web. Um, they don't do that anymore because they just don't, it's just too much. Yeah, they just don't want anybody to know. Right. But like, Google, last time I looked, is only 4% of the web. Yeah. So People don't know that. So, like, yeah, so that's yeah. why you have you know these dark web places and things like that. So, so what I try to do in my daily work is, you know, I, I'll do the Google, right? I'll go out there and do my thing, you know. But then I'll go out there and use other things um, that doesn't search Google. There are search engines that do search Google. So, like, I'll give you an example, the easy one, DuckDuckGo. Yeah, they're going to put you private, but guess what they're still searching? They're searching the Google. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to get the same results you're going to get on Google. So I try to use some other alternative search engines where I can either hopefully turn Google off or do all the preferences on my search engines. Usually they're meta search engines, which means... It's searching about 16 to 50 different search engines. Whoa. But I want to be able to man manipulate that in my own way. So um, so I've been doing that. I'm actually, I just finished up a two-week project with my client here in Atlanta using uh, 10 or 11 different search engines to find different people. And, um, you know, and I can even talk about a real-world project I did two years ago, which which became a SourceCon presentation uh, on using 10 different search engines to find 10 different people that I could not find on Google. <laughs> immediately mm -hmm. so yeah. three of those people were actually hired so it was really cool project so so um, talk me through the logistics because a lot of these people are very technical people and normally they ask me well tell me all the details right mm -hmm. so how do you yeah. search 10 search engines you mapped it so it searches everybody or like what'd you do well well we'll, we'll, just, we'll just start with the ones that I like, right? I mean, my go-tos, um, I yeah. test a lot. I mean, there's, I was looking at a spreadsheet this morning that I pulled off the web from a, a, a true researcher, right? And she has over like 4,000 search engines that she uses. What? So, um, yeah, so, you know, it, it starts all kinds of stuff, code or pictures of people on Reddit or whatever, something like that. But let's just keep it more like meta search and kind of universal since the audience is like that. Um, 
So one of my favorites is from Switzerland. It's called eTools. Mm -hmm. It's eTools.ch. And basically it searches 16 different search engines. And, but if you go to the preferences, in the, you can turn and turn it off. It, it does search Google. So I always turn Google off. Mm -hmm. um, and in the search bar, I just, I don't do anything fancy. I don't put any like commands, quote unquote. I usually use the, the parentheses phrase like software engineer or in, in quotes. Yeah. There's no and or you know, no ands, just software engineer, quote unquote. And then maybe Python, um, maybe uh, in Boston, um, maybe resume or my resume uh, or contact me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll usually maybe do some, you know, get out the false positives like minus job, minus jobs, minus submit, minus example. And if you hit that, it comes up with like some data and it highlights all those keywords that you just put in. Yeah. And as a researcher or a sourcer, you can quickly look at those things and determine, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to click on that. And that's just one of my favorite go-tos. And I always find either blogs or resumes. And it doesn't search LinkedIn, which is great because you mm. turn Google off. You ever notice on Google, yes. it's always searching LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. It's something about LinkedIn. Like number one. Yeah. So it's, you know, I'm trying to find things other people are not trying to find. So I'm trying to find people's actual resumes. <laughs> so, right. Um, or, you know, if it's a blog or if they're talking about Python code and, and they're in Boston, that's perfect. I'll go find them, you know, their profile somewhere else to see if they're the right kind of person is. So, um, so that's, that's one of them. Um, you know, Katrina, you're asking about like how I do that. I just keep tabs open up top and just you yeah. know, and use it that way. Um, unfortunately I keep like 45. I've heard that's a thing. <laughs> like you sources, yeah, I, mean, I have a lot, but sources I heard it's out of control. Oh, see, I'm a writer. I have like three open at once or else oh. my brain's I'm like... up to like eight or nine at once usually, <laughs> but sources I heard is a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I'm looking yeah. at my browser now. I'm like, oh, I gotta clean that up. So uh, that's that's my that's my go-to. Then my second go-to is another a new one that I found like a year and a half ago, and it's starting to get pretty popular in the OSINT world. It's called SEARX, S-E-A-R-X, uh, and, and the uh, it's SEARX. It's SEARX.me is the uh, link, and basically it's a private search engine. It does turn off your IP. No cookies. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. My hackers use it. Um, oh, and you can do the same thing. I just, yeah, and I use the same syntax, and it you know gets some, and it, and it tells you where it pulls from. And you can turn off uh, your preferences too. I turn off the Google. Uh, I turn on Bing. I turn on Yahoo. Turn on Ask. Uh, and, yeah, turn off Wiki. Things of that nature. You know, all the irrelevant stuff. Um, but the cool thing about that is, if you're a volume sourcer, I am not. But if you are on the tab on the right in that screen, it does have a download box, like a CSV or a JSON. And you can download all your results and then go do your research on Excel spreadsheet or whatever. Um, I don't do that because I'm a real targeted sourcer. But if you're you know, doing like 300, 400 people at a time, boom, you can do that. And I think that was a cool part of that, that tool. Um, so that's just one of my favorites. So, um, Very cool. Yeah. So one note on the search, though. What I find interesting, and I'd love your input on this. So uh, any new leads that come into my website, right? I search for them. I, and I usually I just search their name and then I put the word LinkedIn. But what I found is interesting is that over time, the search results get worse. So the first four, let's say, will be the LinkedIn profile of that person. And it's like on point because I have the email address. 
So in my head, if I search that, right, it should tag right back. But usually around the fourth or fifth time I search it, I get different results. Have you seen that before? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, are, are you searching Google, by the way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm over here taking notes because I'm like, oh, yeah, I could use that to find people. And yeah. You know, one of my favorite things to do is like I've been using Bing lately and I'm getting way better results than I am on Google uh, using natural language search. Um, Bing has come a long way. Um believe it or not, when most people just forget to go. I mean, the yeah. UI on Bing is awesome. I mean, it's way better than Google. I mean, it's pleasant. You get a different picture every day you go on there, right? Mm. Um, the other cool thing about Bing as well is that uh, I don't know if a lot of people do face searches, but I do a lot of face searches. Super creepy. Google does the same thing. Yep. And, and uh, So Bing does the same thing. And also, most people don't know you can build a custom search engine on Bing as well. Mm. So... Yep. So it's 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 just a power just as a powerful tool as the Google. But uh, I you know I'm not saying just you, you don't you can use. I just say you need to use different tools yeah. to to fix different things. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, I I always bring up Bing in my talks or when I talk to somebody because we forget about the Bing man. It's still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, especially Microsoft. Um, like so so Michael brought up a question earlier that I definitely want to get back to um, because you've been working on the, on ATAP, right? You mentioned that you're part of it and you are part of defining what a sourcer is. And for the people on the call who have not been sourcing for a million years, as I'm going through the list, right? There are definitely people who are new to this. How, where do you put the boundaries on sourcing and when do you cross the line between sourcing and recruiting? Yeah, that's a great question because we did this for a whole freaking year. So I think, uh, I think one of my, uh, my, my friends here, Steve Levy's on the line. So he, he knows he's been through some of these conversations. So um, we, we, they, I got the task personally to define uh, sourcing for our white paper. Um, and how did I do that? It took me two months to do it. I crowdsourced the web, basically. I went out there and read every freaking article about sourcing and recruiting and just took all that context put it in a big word cloud and just kind of like created a freaking uh, definition. So I don't agree with the, I don't, I don't agree with our definition hundred percent, but as a member of 12 people that are thought leaders in the world, uh, we did come up with a, a, what a sourcer is. Um, I'll give you my definition and I'll give you their definition. Uh, ATAPS. Uh, ATAPS is basically a sourcer is um, basically does you know identification research uh, qualification and delivery to a uh, proprietary which is a manager or recruiter or whoever right and that's when sourcing kind of stops i back it up even more i think sourcing stops when you engage with somebody mm. so if i'm recruiting audra right i find audra online find all our profile, I gather that data and I present I and I present that to the manager, but I have not qualified her, right? Mm. But if I start getting her on the phone or email, that is recruiting. That's mm. a sales job. So I don't define I think there are roles that sourcers do engage. Yeah. But I still think that's a recruiting metric, not a sourcing metric. And it's also um, a little confusing when you talk that, to one person and then they're like, okay, now you got to talk to the recruiter and now you got to talk to the hiring manager. I can see why. Yeah, and that's another one. 
Yeah, so you know, the committee was sourcing metrics. So we were just trying to define what does a sourcer get measured on. I don't feel like the sourcer should get measured on qualifications of a candidate because I feel like that's a recruiting metric. But we have defined it in our in our white paper that that is part of the process. Because most people do want you to do that that role. I have heard that a lot. That you actually talk yeah. to them first. So I don't know if that yeah, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but uh, that's the way I define sourcing. I mean, and you can have all kinds of, you can have full life cycle recruiters that do sourcing, or you can just have yeah. sourcers that do, like me, just do sourcing. Um, it, it can all be measured different ways. So you just got to measure each step of the process, basically. Yeah. I really hope there are some vendors on here because I would love for them to hear your definition because that's the first time I've heard it very definitive. I think for a long time, just like you said, sourcing, it was either full life cycle recruiting, right, end to end, or it was a little bit past conversations, write up conversations, just getting data, not even, right, just like taking a list and uploading it to some Dropbox somewhere kind of thing. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah, so like, you know, I'll get, I'll get uh, I'm just going to kind of like, I think, you know, I'll, I'll give you my state of sourcing kind of speech here. I, is that, I'm sorry, is this for 2018 or 2019? The state, like, or just right now, just, where we're at? Just right now, because I mean, I'm in the, I'm like actually been looking for projects in the past six months. So I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of corporations. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to shit on anybody, but I'll just tell you that they'll call me up and say, hey, we got this great sourcing project for you. Can we talk? I'm like, that's awesome. Let's talk. Get mm -hmm. on the phone and they go, Oh yeah, I mean, I need you to like, I need you to call this person. I need you to qualify them. I need you to close them. I'm like, so you're not really needing it. You don't really need a sorcerer. You're needing a recruiter. No, I need a sorcerer. Oh no, no, no. So it's just like this argument. Nobody really understands the two things. I'm saying yes. If you need a recruiter that does sourcing, then call it that. Don't call it a sorcerer. Um, and that's just it's a pet peeve of mine. Um, you know, it's just. If you want me to do sourcing work and recruiting, then say I need you to do both. Mm -hmm. Don't call me up about sourcing and saying you're closing candidates. That's a recruiting job. So yeah. I don't. I think people are getting the the role kind of backwards a little bit with all. And I think that's with the inclusion within the. So as you know, we talked when I was talking earlier about search engines. That's a lot of manual work. A lot of people nowadays that are coming into the industry have all these tools uh, mm -hmm. that they're using, and I have nothing against the tools but you got like if i walk into a, a let's say a car shop right you buy a brand new car in the state in the state of economy they're super high tech right it, those mechanics should probably know how to work on a car manually before they stick it on a machine mm -hmm. to figure out what the diagnostic is Ooh, I like that. so so as a as a, as a i mean i'm not trying to say i'm old school but i pretty much understand the back end of everything from a manual standpoint so if I wanted to go use a tool, I can understand how that tool works and how to manipulate that as well. So it's good to use both, but you need to understand it. I don't think most people understand how to how to search on the web. Right. They just they're they're so yeah. used to having things built for them. Well, how much training? Yeah. Well, how did yeah, you learn that? Exactly. <laughs> you just learned there is training. Teach us your ways. You taught yourself. Right? Young kids learn how to. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, that's a great storyline, by the way. So, you know, I started out in the staffing world, right? Um, way back in days. And um, the way I survived the staffing world is I always wanted to be different than anybody else in my office. Because, you know, you compete against your, your peers in the office. I wanted to make the most commissions. So 
I'm like, what am I? I don't want everybody in my office is using dice or career builder or monster or whatever. I'm like, I don't, oh, I get, they're seeing the same people. So that's when I started thinking about these getting on the web, figuring out there's people out there talking about themselves, right? Or they're doing blogs, especially in the early 2000s. So that's how I just started doing different things like that. And then back in that day before, um, you know, all these great tools that we have now that, you know, you used to have to get out of your office and actually go to a, a meetup or something like that. Uh, so I started doing those, those different things. And then, you know, I'm so fortunate to live in Atlanta, Georgia. So we have a really good market here of amazing, amazing recruiters and sourcers. But I started following, uh, I don't know if you know these people, but Eric Jakewith, you know, we met and then Shally, my friend, we met. Um, and, and we all had the same mindset. And obviously some people are better at marketing themselves and they've done a great job. And I'm just a guy that just does the work. <laughs> so, uh, but mm-hmm. I get, I get to hang in those circles a lot. And, uh, and, and fortunately they're all my friends and, uh, we, we do a lot of great stuff and that's, that's kind of how I learned how to You're do like it. Mentors. And, and yeah, mentors. And, um, I'm a big believer in, in, the, in the, SourceCon has been a big thing about this is that you share something, hopefully you'll share something back with me because we all have different talents. Um, and I want to learn from somebody else and I'll share with me. So I'm always curious to learn from other people. Um, I think I was, um, I don't know if I talked to Audrey about this in New York. Um, I've been playing with some heavy, heavy white hat dorks on Google, like really heavy, deep stuff Mm -hmm. to find like weird stuff. That's not, uh, firewalled, right? So I'm finding people's blogs that are just hanging out there in the web that they don't, they think are blocked <laughs> or their mm-hmm. resumes hanging on the backside of a server or a list is here. And then, so I'm just kind of taking the stuff that we kind of know from the Boolean world and then add in some very heavy, heavy white hacks that are legal. There's like 7,000 of them. Mm-hmm. So um, haven't, have not, have not mastered it yet, but I did show it at SourceCon. Uh, in the fall recently here in Atlanta uh, at my workshop. And I, I think it just kind of went over people's heads. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. So Ben asked a question. It's exactly where my brain was going. So ESP, Ben, you mentioned this white hat kind of hacks and he's talking about when does sourcing become hacking, right? When are we like crossing the line between creative and creative? So here's my, here's, here's my motto. Here's my motto. If it's on the web and you can see it, it's legal. Where the line crosses is when you start trying to break. So some of these hacks, these white hacks, they do have like trying to get into people's password or admin rights and things like that. I don't use those things. If I did use those, that means I'm, I'm illegally trying to break on somebody's website. If they don't want me in, then firewall it, you know, things like that. But if they don't firewall it, like our government here in the U.S., you can break into government stuff. If, if they don't fix it, then it's legally deceived. For example, I just did a, a huge project for uh, an insurance company up in Pennsylvania. So we were doing, find, trying to find a list of insurance agents that went to conferences, right? And I found one. I found one in Florida. I found sec, a list of 6,000 people with their email address, home address, phone numbers, names, titles, everything. I was like, gold mine, right? And then I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. So I learned a lesson with my team there um, is to save that data, right? I didn't save it. It's like, mm-hmm. we'll come back to this t- tomorrow. Well, obviously, their admin f- guy found that I was pinging their oh. 
<laughs> and he turned it off on me, man. So, so that's the point. So obviously he, their company made a mistake or their conference made a mistake and didn't, didn't block the addresses and they, they fixed it. So yeah, ethical is meaning that you're trying to find the password. No, 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 no. If it's, if you can manipulate an API and they don't block it, it's legal as far as I'm concerned. Sounds like that company needs our products. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah that's right you're for a security company yep. exactly yeah so you probably know what i'm talking about the white hacks it's uh it's a it's a it's a legal list i mean it's you're just trying you're just doing penetration testing yeah just doing penetration testing basically so you're just trying to say hey your shit's broke let me uh, you know but i like i like it when the shit's broke because i can find yeah. stuff i want so right but what about so say you spend days and you find this person that was so 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 hard to find and nobody else can find them isn't that because maybe they don't want to be found and you kind of call them up and they're like, you know, piss off. Why are you bothering me? I'm trying not to be found. Is it worth finding these hard to find or, or is it just that they're, they don't know SEO and they want to be found, but they're just not good at. In the internet. Yeah. I've seen both types. I've seen yeah. like, uh, you know, for instance, that one project I did you know, with the 10 different search engines, there was one gentleman that always showed up in my searches. He was super good at SEO. Mm. Um, he was a Python developer too. It's totally freaking me out. Um, but but yeah, there are people that don't want to be found. Like they've taken themselves off of the most social sites, and they you know even like on a GitHub or uh, or a Code Stack or or Stack Overflow, they put minimal information. Um, you know, and I find that in the security world. Well, not really. Mm -hmm. They like Twitter a lot, but if they on the web, be. they kind of keep quiet. Yeah, they can be. Um, but you know. My goal is just to deliver to my client, which is usually a recruiter, not qual you know, to quality people that they can actually reach out to. Because you never know, right? Mm -hmm. That person is probably tired of hearing from the, the popular companies. But if you work for somebody that's a really cool company, um, they've never heard of, and you know, like I, you know, like, like for me, I, I'm burned out at Fortune 500 stuff, right? I don't want to be a cog in a wheel anymore. I want to make an impact. So if a small company calls me, like the client I have here in Atlanta, that's only 12 people. Hmm. That is hot to me. Like, that's awesome. I'm going to make an impact there. So, and they found me and I didn't find them. So hmm, it was really cool. They sourced you. Yeah. They said, we heard about yeah. you. Yeah. We heard about you through another recruiting friend. And uh, we just want you to do sourcing for us whenever we, you want. We, we call you like 10 hours a week or something like that. And they do all the work. They don't have an HR group. And then, they're based here in Atlanta and in, in Sydney, Australia. So it's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, you kind of bring the list to the recruiter. Um, how do you manage that relationship? Because I hear a lot that, for example, the recruiter hiring manager relationship is pretty, it's intense, <laughs> so to speak. What of course, the recruiter relationship. Have you ever had a tense situation? Oh, yeah. What helps that? Yeah, I, I have a lot of great ones. The best people I work for is those kind of relationships, actually. Wow. Um, yeah. So I'll give you a couple. Um, I'll, I'll go back to like uh, Microsoft. Uh, I, I worked for a gentleman. Um, I'm sure he's not on here. His name is Brian Fippinger. He's based out of Chicago. Super, super great, great, awesome recruiter. So he knows how to, you know, talk to managers. He knows sourcing. He knows recruiting. He knows, he knows it all. So when I joined as a sourcer. Um, Sourcer, and I did some recruiting as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you know, you have that that fight. Like, what do you do? How are you going to help me out, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you got to build that. You got to build that trust. So, I 
I've been, uh, and that's part of the metrics, right? So my goal is to have a 95% acceptance rate with my partner. Um, and how do you build that? Usually it doesn't happen in the first month. Usually you have a 60 to 65% acceptance. If you, that's a goal. That's a, that's to me, that's like the, the beginning goal. Um, but you have to like understand where they're coming from, right? So you got to get in their world. You got to say, Hey, I want to be a team with you. I'm not the, you know, we're going to become a partner, a pair, and we're going to work together. So you got to learn their intricacies. They got to learn your intricacies. And then you got to put those two talents together and build it. So the way you do that is I kind of require, I need to be a fly on the wall with your managers, or I need to come see you in person. Um, since I work remote a lot, um, I don't work with any companies here in Atlanta. I always work outside of you here in, here in the U.S. So I always travel. So basically, uh, I want to build that relationship and I, I want them to know that their managers know who's working on the stuff and have that open dialogue. And I know that's hard to do, but you got to build that. And that's kind of a, a super, super big part of mine. Um, but most most recruiters I deal with, are they're not used to having that support system. They're used to doing their own thing. And when you have somebody like a sorcerer come in that is going to do other these other 15% of things that they're not doing, um, they, they get kind of like, oh. And it's not, it's not about an ego thing. It's about, hey, I got time to do this. You don't. And that, mm-hmm. that's why I'm here. And I'm going to help you succeed because we're going to get hopefully some bet, some data that we're not finding. You know, you're on LinkedIn all day. You're going to get the same result. Let's go do something else differently. Absolutely. Uh, let's go hand donuts out in front of Google, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, which Make it know, a win, let's win. do something. Totally, yeah. And that's sourcing, right? Go get some donuts and coffee and sit in front of Google and, and give it out and say, Hey, I'm, and we, the, one of the last companies I worked at, that's what they did in San Francisco. So it worked out really well. Yeah. I tell people all the time, you don't have to be on anyone's mind all the time. You just have to be on their mind when they're ready to change. Mm, the right time, the right place. Yep. Exactly. They just yep. have to think of you when the moment crosses their mind, when they're willing to change. Um, so exactly. Glenn, Glenn asked a great question that kind of latches onto that last one. Do you ever give recruiters advice about maybe taking a more personalized approach to reaching out to certain people or you're doing a little bit bigger, right? So you're not going into the like online eight, there's a John that you should really reach out to this way. Yeah, it depends. Um, so Audra, I worked for a company up in your area, uh, most recently a security company. And, Carbon uh, Black, right? Oh, I shouldn't say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw that. I stopped you a little so, before the show. Yeah, so I was ta- so um, um, Allison Cruz, right, on her persona world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when she first did that presentation, I took that back to uh, the recruiter I was working with. Um, um, and I said, hey, look, look at this. And he goes, oh, wow, we should try that out. So we took it to the recruiting director up in Boston. And she goes, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's persona-wise. I'm like, holy shit, what did I get myself into, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to, like, totally break HR rules. And basically, you know, obviously, I couldn't go interview people at Carbon Black. I could not pull resumes out of the HR file. So basically, I took 10 engineers and found them online. I, I did my own sourcing, right? And try to find out common themes about the, the team I was working with. And the, what was the, you know what the most common theme was that group was? They love comic books. It was totally freaky. So, so I took that, took that back and I built this persona 
And it, it had to include like finding engineers that like co uh, co comic books. And that's kind of what I did. So when, so to answer your question is basically when I go back to present the profiles to the recruiter, I'm like, Hey, all these people like car, uh, you know, comic books. So you might want to put that in some kind of messaging um, or Hey, I found this guy likes yoga. Uh, you know, he does like, like hot yoga. So you might want to put something in there about yoga because you might like yoga. You know, it's, it's, it's your messaging has to be differently on it nowadays because uh, the way the world works, we're mass emailing or mass calling everybody. Um, we have to, to get different messages. Um, it's, 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 you just can't do it anymore like you used to. Um, you know, hey, I got this great job. It's about, it's about, it's about them, not about, about the job. It's about having some kind of common interest, things like that. It's just, that's, so I, as a sourcer, besides finding the profile, maybe I can find some other cute data, if you want to call it that, that I can give to the recruiter as ammunition. Hey, you might want to say something about cycling or Pearl Jam or whatever, and that's going to like get them to give you a call. Because uh, mm -hmm. you actually found something about me besides me as a Python developer. Got their so. attention. Yeah. Uh, but Katrina, taking that into our world, I love the fact that then you could do a Facebook ad to people that like certain comics that also have the job title of whatever it is. And guess what? It, you, and then the, the image would be something about that comic. Boom, you've got their attention. Like, oh, I like that. And then they're hopefully going to click through and, you know, you, you take them through. But I think you could use that in both worlds. I think we lost Katrina. She's frozen. We do a Here lot we of persona research. Uh, and what always surprises me, and Ronnie, I'm sure you find this too, there's always a trend. Once you get above maybe five, ten people, something that links them all together that you can flip into a strategy, whether it's something as specific as an email or remarketing like Audrey. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any tool that can do that. I mean, there are that's doing this automation stuff of personas. I think there's, um, I just still think I, I guess I'm, I'm still like, I don't want to be a volume sourcer. I want to be a targeted sourcer. That's probably why I don't want to work for the big guys. I want to work for the smaller organizations and really be targeted to get them the right people. Um, I just, that's just the way I, I that's just a personal opinion. You know, everybody, you know, everybody can do it however they want. <laughs> So, oh, we lost her. Um, going back to like Shally and some of these people have big, big brand names and really good uh, online presence. How important is that for a source or, or is it not important at all if you're not actually reaching out? Maybe it doesn't matter if you don't have a big online presence. It's just more of a personal thing. Like I know for recruiters, I do say that they need to have a great online presence. So when you reach out, they, they Google you or, or they search for you on LinkedIn and, and it matters. But for sources, does it matter as much? You know, I don't know. Uh, I would think that's more of a personal brand. Um, yeah. So I'm probably the worst at it in life because mm -hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very shy. <laughs> um, I feel like I don't do well, even though I get asked to speak at conferences, you know, I'm still kind of nervous up there. I mean, I'm not no expert. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a true doer, not a, um, what you call, like I practice what I preach. Does that yeah. make sense? Um, like some people I know don't, they don't do the work and they think yeah. they can still do it and they can't. So I'm, I'm very much in the trenches and I don't, I, I kind of like feel like my brand is through word of mouth 
And um, I guess a good here's a good point. Um, a good friend of mine, um, Eric Jakewith, taught me a long time ago. He goes, you know, you're going to go to a conference um, and you're probably not going to learn much because you probably already know it. But while you're there, you're basically building your brand. Mm -hmm. So when you interact with people, you need to be able to tell them what you do in a one minute conversation. Mm -hmm. So have your elevator speech. Yeah. So I don't really go to conference. I mean, I go to conferences for two things, to learn, to share, and to meet other people. Um, and that meet the meeting of the people is for me to get work because I'm a consultant and I need, you know, I need to have that, that kind of brand that, Hey, Ronnie can do this kind of work. Um, so I, I feel like I don't have this ego. Uh, I, I, I call it as it is. I will tell you, I am the worst data scraper guy on the earth. I cannot do it. I just have no, I don't practice it. And that's, that's my downfall. But if you talk to me about finding people online, that's my favorite thing to do. And I'll talk all day about it. So, um, so I, I guess she's, I don't know how important it is to build that brand as a source. I, mean, I think it's more of a personal brand and to build the community like the source star community or other communities out there as well. So, um, that's the way I do my work. Like I have a, I, I have a, I have a domain. And I even built the web page. I need to build that so I can say, <laughs> hey, here's me. <laughs> Instead of just getting word of mouth. I probably need to do a better job of that. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not, the, the young kids coming in are really good at doing this. Good, you know, they got their YouTube stuff going on. They got their weekly blogs. You guys got your weekly show. I'm just Ronnie Bratcher here in Atlanta doing work, man. Oh, you're great at networking. For someone that's shy, you're awesome at networking. Yeah. Oh, I guess so. I'm okay. I highly recommend the book Story Brand, Ronnie. If you're looking for a way to get your one minute, figure out how to do your website. I read it a few weeks ago and it has completely changed my perspective. Ooh. Like it changed my website. It changed how I tweet. It changed how I write. Like everything. It is fascinating. It'll take about two hours to read. And basically what they do is they walk you through this model. And you mentioned this earlier where you learn about your hero. Your customer is your hero. And you write everything you do is about making them the hero. So for example, all those brands who are like, recruiters suck. That's a big no-no. That is a huge no-no because you should be making them the hero and you are the guide that helps them be better, right? But highly recommend that book if anyone's looking for it. And we're getting closer to the end. And Ronnie, I wanna ask you, what did you learn this year? About you've been doing wow. this a long time. Tell us something that maybe you learned that these experts don't know. Hmm, that's a good question, right? Um, well, I, I, I'll just go back to what we were just talking about. I learned that I'm not doing a very good job of um, marketing myself mm. uh, in in a non-ego way. Yeah. Um, and I need to I need to learn how to do that because um, so just being personal and hopefully I can get a job out of this, but. I've, I've not um, done a good job of getting projects in the last six months. Um, it, it is, I normally don't have struggles getting work, but in the last six months, it's been really the right projects for me uh, and for what people want to do um, and or pay, pay my rate, basically. Um, so I think I learned and I've noticed with this with my younger generation peers that they're doing a way better job of showing their skill sets to the public where I am not. Mm. I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm letting other people do the work for me. And I need to 
be more outgoing. So uh, it was funny, uh, Animal posted earlier, like I'm doing a road show. Like I just did his show earlier this week, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's like, oh my God, I'm on two shows a week. That's pretty cool. <laughs> When's the last time I've been on a show? <laughs> so, totally. And I and also, I, I think I did the 12 days of sourcing too. So, um, so I posted an article there as well. So, um, so I guess I'm doing a little bit better at that. Um, I just probably need, need to do more and, and, and share more stuff and things like that. I've got yeah, your back. It's a different I mean, personality. Yeah. You could definitely help yeah. them out. That would be perfect. Cause we have like the marketing personality versus the digger hunter and together. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone asked a good question about, is it challenging being remote when you're doing sourcing or maybe it doesn't matter if you're searching and maybe you can just do it from home. Yeah, there is challenges because you're not on site or with the team. Um, I've learned that one of my requirements, if I go on a project is I go on site and learn the customer, the client, the personalities, the roles, the managers, things like that. I prefer to work offsite. That's just a personal thing. I feel like I'm more productive because I am an introvert. I don't want to talk to people. I just want to be heads down, do my work. And I feel like, and secondly, I live in a big city here in Atlanta. If you get in the car to go to work in Atlanta, you're in your car two, half, two to five hours a day. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's five hours of my time that I could be sitting at my desk here, yeah. giving you productive time. And so I, that's, I feel like that's where the, the two go off and on. Um, I just talked to a, a cool company up in Seattle. I thought I could do their work remotely. He, he didn't want people remote. He wants somebody on site that can shake people's hands every day when they come in the office. And I'm like, mm. I can come up every two weeks, but you know, I can't be up there for six months. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> did that with Amazon. So, um, yeah. So I think there are, there are, most people cannot do remote work. I totally am opposite. I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like I can be flexible with my time. If I need to go, if I need to work in Australia on their time zone, I can work in the middle of the night, things like that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just, it's just a lot better. I have no, I have no distractions here besides myself. I'm my mm-hmm. own distraction. Yeah. So, but we all kind of get that. Yeah. But I do get lonely. <laughs> this is yeah. this is the most I've talked in two weeks, basically. That's why I have, so that's really why I have my kitty. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, yeah, my, my, the camera, like. <laughs> yeah. And social media helps, my I cat, find. Yeah. Yeah, I'll my my cat her. won't come up here. Oh, really? Yeah, my cat. Yeah, she stays downstairs. She won't come up here. Oh, cats so, are a bit weird. Um, yeah, yeah they are. So I think when I first started being remote, it was really hard. And I felt like when I went to conferences, I would do these like 48 hour extrovert moments and then I would need to go back into yeah. my shell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Back at my home. What are your favorite conferences? Yeah, if you ever Oh, cool. Well, obviously SourceCon is my favorite. I've been to every SourceCon except for three. Um and there's a great story behind that as well. So, um, yeah, I went to Budapest. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, like, I my one of my goals for SourceCon was to go to an international conference, and I went to Budapest uh, over the summer, and I, I I thought that was so awesome. It was one of the best one of the best SourceCons I've ever been to. It was so awesome. It's just like the old ones. Um, my secondary conference that I like, and I haven't been in a long time, is Talent 42. Oh, yeah. Uh, up in Seattle. Yeah. Perfect. So I haven't been in a long time. 
Um, I like their conference because it's limited to 200 people. So you're mm. able to like be targeted and go in and it's all about information technology, which is my, my space. Um, and then thirdly, I'm, I've been like digging higher conf. Um, you know, I just went in New York. Um, mm -hmm. I went to the first one last year in New York and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then I went this year. I'm like, Oh, they got, they got their shit together. This is really cool. Um, and then the other one I liked, I just went to was in Toronto. I went to SOSU, uh, and mm -hmm. you know, and so that, that they're, they're the ones that invited me to Estonia. So, cool. um, I went there in Toronto. Uh, I was totally impressed with the quality of the speakers and, and is all about sourcing, of course. Um, and, um, I thought that was a pretty cool conference as well. And I would love to go see the ones in Europe, mm. even though now I'm going to Europe to speak at one. Now I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So yeah. Europe are awesome. Very cool. Trina, you're going to be at a few conferences next year. Which ones are you going to be at? Yeah. Uh, so I am going to SourceCon in Seattle. It's probably the one I'm most excited mm. about for a lot of the reasons. We actually talked a little bit about this before we got on. Because I feel like SourceCon is the most friendly conference I've mm. ever been to. Like, no matter how good it gets, I, people are so kind and so generous with their information. Um, so I'll be teaching uh, copywriting for sourcers. Uh, and I, it, it's really copywriting for recruiting, especially after you extended our definition today. But, um, and I'm about to get on the phone with Shannon, actually, about that presentation. Mm. Um, so knocking out that one. And I'm also another big one I'm doing is uh, Sherm Talent in Nashville, where I'll talk specifically on writing better job ads. How do you market the job? Yeah, we talked about that at a uh, higher conference, right? Is that one? Yeah. I'm mixed up now. Very cool. I know. I Believe me, my head's spinning. <laughs> what I like about SourceCon is the welcome wagon. That's just a great idea to make people feel like part of the community. You've probably been on that running, right? Or have yeah, I did the one in Budapest. Yeah, it was really cool. You explain what that is again. Is it? It's just obviously to make people feel welcome. But how does it work? So basically, it's it's a welcome wagon, but also it's to help people. You know, SourceCon is is huge now, right? You have all these tracks, and you're you know, if you've never been to SourceCon, you walk in and you're like, "Holy shit, mm -hmm. what am I doing here?" So basically, the welcome wagon is, is to help guide you through that. So basically, how I approach it is. Hey, you know, tell, tell me about your background and what are you here? What's your purpose? What do you want to learn? And kind of help them guide to, to get to the right tracks that they want to go to. Um, instead of going to the like a leadership track when they're when they're hands on, right? If you go to a leadership track, you're gonna to be totally bored and you're not gonna give you're not gonna get your money's worth. So that's kind of like the welcome. And it's also just to have, you know, and there's also most people in that group are very, very good at what they do. So it, you know, you, you solve a problem, a real world, world problem, you know, right there. Let's yeah. do some sourcing on the spot. Um, and it's also just to, to meet people. It's a great way to meet people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one source, at one source, kind of, I did the first innovation lab. Uh, I hosted it and mm -hmm. it was the best way to meet people one-on-one. -on -one. And that's kind of how I did it. I just said, hey, what do you want? What are you here to learn? And I knew every tool in the room because I researched it and I knew where to direct them. You know, if they want to learn about, uh, a people aggregator tool, I would say that you need to go to these tables or you want to learn about a job board, you need to go to these tables or if you want to learn about personas, you need to go to that table. And then you learned about their backgrounds a little bit more one-on-one. -on -one. So I would say the welcome wagon is a, a really, really, really good thing. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. and it's, 
it's a great way to meet people and, and direct people in the right way they need to go. Yeah, I loved those. I went to one of those with Aaron Lentz where he did this like whole how to get into the back end of Facebook. And I learned so much in 30 minutes. One of those like your head's just spinning when you walk away and you're like, can you give me the links so I can digest later? Cause I don't, can't take it all in at once. Angela Board Lucy did yeah, that. She's very good about market yeah. intelligence. And I was like, just, I couldn't, I couldn't take any more. My brain was full, but it was really useful. She's very good at that. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron's a great friend. He actually helped me um a, a few years ago in the world's greatest sourcing contest what's that uh, he was one of my judges so <laughs> yeah we, we me and shally did this for two years we had the world's greatest oh, sourcing contest uh, yeah we did it we did it for two years when um uh, used to sponsor it um we, we a lot of great people come out of that program uh maisha cannon mm. um some others as well but um yeah aaron's one of those those people that uh, i admire really highly i sit down with him and I'm just like, I can't, I don't get it. Mm. You got to just, can you just plug your brain into mine because it's not sinking very well. Exactly. He's super, super talented. He's a super, he's a super talented young man. And uh, I would love to work with him someday. You know, he's, he's pretty awesome. Mm. So. I think that about James Ellis, the things he says, I'm like, why could I, I would have never, ever in a million years thought of that. It's like he says them all the time. Like, everything he says is like out of the box and interesting. And, and I wish I had his brain. Uh, so what's next yeah. in 2019 for sourcing or is it you know just going to continue where we're at or is there going to be something crazy happen with all this big data or i don't know all these keywords i keep hearing yeah i think um i think we're going to have a theme that's going to continue right we're going to still be talking about this ai stuff right there's mm -hmm. still going to be that debate online as you can tell there's all these products out there going on um i feel well, we'll talk U.S. economy because I know there's some global people here as well. It probably could be global as well. <clears throat> I think we're going to see a shift in the market um, just due to all the different political things that are going on. I'm sorry mm -hmm. to bring all this kind of up, but I think we're going to see a shift. Hmm. Um, and we're going to, as sources and recruiters, we're going to have to stay stable and hold our hold our ground. Basically, um, I think we're going to we're going to see. Um, it's not going to be a, like a 2009 effect if you guys were back then it's not going to be that bad. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm predicting there's going to be a shift and um, we're still going to need to do now, um, but we're still going to have to still be talking about the future as well. Um, nothing's going to take us as human beings. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we always need us to do what we need to do. Um, like I, I, I actually experienced a, uh, an online chat bot mm -hmm. recently mm -hmm. um, and um my experience was 50 50. I'm like, you know, no, that's not what I really said, you know? So it's not there quite yeah, yet. Yeah. So I still think, I still think as a, as humans, we still need to have that interaction one-on-one -on -one, um, in the recruiting space. So I don't think any tools are ever going to take our jobs fully. That's just a personal opinion. So I think that's why we're going to be still talking about in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we're going to see, some new players and we're going to see some old players and then we're going to see some of these go away really, really fast. Um, I also think we're going to see a shift uh, with like Microsoft buying GitHub and mm -hmm. interchanging that with LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and that whole social, that whole social thing is going to be totally wild. So just hold on, see what mm -hmm. happens there. So don't, don't be getting 
yeah, I just, uh, I think that that's just my personal, uh, predictions. Um, but you know, I'm no, no expert. Oh, that's just we'll, see. See, we'll, you know, we'll check in next year, have the show again and call you out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Hopefully we'll all have jobs. Good point. <laughs> Exactly. No, we come to the end already. That was really, really an awesome show. Thank you so much, Ryan. And Trina, this was one of my favorite shows. I have to watch it again myself. Thank you. Um, if anyone wants to Yeah, Ronnie, I yeah, check out Three Ears Media, of course, for any kind of writing, personas, recruitment marketing. And Ronnie, what's the best is place for people to find you? Twitter, somewhere, not Google, but maybe <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter at my name at Ronnie Bratcher, or you can look me up on LinkedIn. Those are the two easiest ways to find me. Um, and I'm a very open networker. So uh, if you had questions about search engines or anything like that, uh, feel free to, and I'll definitely share with you and things like that. And or come to a conference, I'll probably be talking about it offline and things like that. I had no so. idea there was more than like five search engines. I'm so out of it. Oh, right? really oh there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. 16 now. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. <laughs> There's more than that. It's like five million. <laughs> good lord. Yeah, let's find good word out sourcers. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Let me look. Actually, no, it's over here. <laughs> I have no idea, but it's gonna be an awesome, awesome show. <laughs> I didn't look it up. But yeah, we'll be right. definitely gonna be here next week. Katrina Collier right. will be back at the same time, 10 a.m. Uh, and thank you guys. Everyone have a great, fantastic weekend. And thanks everyone for the awesome conversation on the side. Take care. Thank you again, Thank Ronnie. You. Thanks. Bye.